This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. This will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I really liked. I'd hit a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything. You need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. What is up, you guys? This is Bram from the future, and I couldn't be more excited about this one. So to celebrate the beginning of this Warrior season, we put together something we are really proud of. We relived last year's incredible championship run with some of our favorite guests and asked people like Tim Roy, Guru, Bonte Hill, Wes Goldberg, Ben Golliver, Mark Medina, and Marcus Thompson, things like what stood out during the 2022 title run? Or did they see this championship coming? Or where does Steph rank on the GOAT list now? Or finally, even things like is this team now a dynasty? So sit back, get petty like Steph. I'm the petty king, so I know all about everything. And let's take a final victory lap around the 2022 championship season. Welcome to the 2022 Championship Podcast, and let's jump right in and be honest with me, please. Did you see this success coming? This team was the laughingstock of the league for decades. 15 win seasons, carousel of terrible coaches, guys like Mookie Blaylock taking money and not giving a shit, or Vontigo Cummings caring but just being slightly terrible. Did you ever think... A point guard with fragile ankles and a slightly weird shooting guard from Washington State could pair with a light years owner and usher in something like this. No, never. I mean, think about even the teams in the Western Conference, uh, the Phoenix Suns. They were a gold standard franchise for decades. They were always a threat to win the title. And they never have won the NBA title. So if, you're thinking... If, if they haven't won, what chance do the Warriors have? And so uh, when this started, it was it was just amazing because you knew they were good in, in 2013, pretty good in 2014. But in the 14-15 season, Draymond gets in the starting lineup and everything clicks and you're just looking around but going, whoa, this team's really, really good. It's not just the team that's coming in the playoffs. You have a chance. And right. so that was – that was unbelievable. But no, as a as a you know, guy who's been around the Warriors since nineteen ninety-five, you just never thought of this in the, even in your wildest dreams. The only thing you did know, you knew it for certain, was that the Warriors were sitting on a gold mine. There was gold there for the franchise to unearth. The the passion was there, the market size was there, everything was in place. You just had to get the right people at the top. And finally, they did. Man, I love the question, and to, to answer it, hell no. And I go back <laughs> to the day uh, Chris Mullen's retirement ceremony when Joe Lacob, who I'm waiting on the book in the movie because it technically could be written right now, to survive that and kind of play into that like – you know, we're going to hang some banners in the booze because I didn't tell you this. Monte Ellis was my Steph Curry. That was it was him and Fitzgerald Barnett and Monte. And I still to this day, you know, as a warrior, I don't think Monte gets his propers throughout the league. That's right. just me. But I was like, I'm riding with him. If he says him and Steph can't coexist, then they can't coexist. But for him to get traded the way that he got traded, and for them to boo, I wasn't at the game, but I was technically booing. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And then for this guy to come from Davidson that doesn't look like LeBron James or doesn't look like Spider-Man or Batman 
that uh, is known for shooting, but even in college where LeBron came to check him out, I'm like, that's not going to translate to get the gift, not just of the player, of what he is. I call him the basketball Obama. I'm fond of Obama. So I'm being proactive. But Steph has those mannerisms, those traits, every reason to be a jerk in life. You're so good at what you do. You revolutionize the game. And yet this dude is as humble, is all outdoors. So that so no. And the, the worst part about the best part about it is my mom always taught me the late great Daisy Johnson. Son, good things happen to good people. There was talk or whispers as he finished. He won the title at 34, bro. Right. So it's not even over, and he's on number four. Let's go. Hell nah. You know, Graham, I always joke about this with Shasky on the morning roll 95-7 game. You can simulate the Warriors, and they could have LeBron, Jordan, Pippen, Akeem Olajuwon. You could simulate their season on the video game, and they still wouldn't win the championship. Even the computers didn't respect the go to State Warriors. So, you know, like, you think about where they traded Jason Richardson. And I was just like, yeah, this is never happening. They're not, they're not getting Kevin Garnett. They traded away Jason Richardson. It's the beginning of the end. This is a franchise that went to the postseason one time from 95 to 2012. So four titles in eight years, did I see that coming? I still remember the image of game one of the 2015 NBA Finals when they're getting ready for tip ball and everybody's losing their mind. And I'm looking at the court saying, the Golden State Warriors are in the NBA Finals against LeBron James to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So, you know, to answer your question, Brad, hell no, I didn't see this coming. Who did? Any Warrior fans who said they saw this coming or lying? All right, so when did you allow yourself to believe that the Warriors could win it all? I mean, I'll admit, I knew they had a puncher's chance, but I absolutely didn't allow myself to believe that they were an actual title contender until Steph was sobbing in Boston. So for you, when did you watch them and say this was going to be a title season. It was game one when Clay played some great defense on Ja. They were out of the playoffs, yeah. came over, and he tried to finish with the left, and Clay came over, helped defense. And at that juncture, not the Denver series at all, because there were moments in the Denver series where I was like, even if you know Denver would be up 10 or 12, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, but I knew they didn't have enough. But even when they pulled it out, I, I wasn't – I don't want to say overly impressed – I was like, I don't know if that's good enough because they don't have Murray and they don't have um, Michael Porter Jr. But when they won that game in Memphis and Ja was going crazy, that's when I said, oh, no. I thought the size was going to be an issue. The Warriors have a synergy to them to where Looney, it ain't about how tall you are. It's how nimble you are. You you know, how you can move lateral movement. And that's a staple of what they are in, in Wiggins. You know, getting I, I, I can remember him right now diving for possessions that it felt like the ball was reading. If you don't get this, you guys lose. And he would come up with it or Looney. But after that win it, uh, and Ja missed that shot, that's when I was, you know what? Uh-oh, they got, they got some action. When they beat Dallas the way that they did, um, I thought that – I've told you this too – I thought that that Grizzlies matchup for them in the second round was such a tough matchup. I picked the Grizzlies in that series. I just, they, it's just a team that has had their number beat them in the play-in tournament the year before. The way that John Morant was playing those first couple games before he got injured, I thought the Grizzlies were going to win that series. I did, and um, uh, obviously Golden State came out of it. And then when they just completely bludgeoned Dallas, so basically when it was evident that that series was over after a couple games, basically that's like, all right, this team's got it. Um, they're going to probably, they're going to go to the finals. Um, and whoever they play, we'll see. But obviously if you're in the finals, you got a chance. That's when I was maybe, but after game four against Boston, I was like, this thing's over. Forget it. I I thought they had a puncher's chance using the boxing term because the fact that they have firepower and I thought they were going to be better defensively. I thought at the beginning of the year that James Wiseman was going to play a great role for this team, you know, (laughs) that he was going to come back and, and be the center he can be. And so I thought they had a puncher's chance at the beginning of the season. 
one month into the season, I knew they had a chance. I knew for sure they had a chance because the way they play and you're thinking Clay Thompson's going to come back. Uh, Jordan Poole's making progress. Uh, this team has a chance. It's got a lot of weapons. It was a well-constructed team. You know, the Warriors front office, you know, with Joe Lick, Bob Myers and all their crew uh, did a great job of putting this team together. And, and uh, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, and, it, you know, it got to the point where, when the finals started and that ESPN power index came out and it said Boston's an 86% chance to win, I kind of shook my head and said, what are they watching? You know, have they not seen how this team can play and especially getting Gary Payton back who could play a huge role in that series. Uh, I just felt the, the Warriors were undersold heading into the finals. All right, this one came to us from a listener. Normally, I would just take credit for it, but uh, I'll be honest and transparent today, and it was just too good, so we got included here. After trading us the pick for Kaminga, trading us Wiggins, passing on Steph not once but twice for what Rubio and Flynn, and passing on Clay Thompson in the draft, should Minnesota's ownership group be given a title ring as well? The Steph and Clay one is one that I don't even know how you ever come back from that. <laughs> You know, I know it's about the, the the long haul, but what they did and who they got in the two. I mean, that just that that that's a future part of the movie. Right. It'll be Minnesota. You know, what intel were you using? So to the listener's point, no, I don't think you ever get over that. Mark, what do you think on this one, man? Does Minnesota get an honorary ring? Well, I should, you know, defend them a little bit. They weren't the ones that passed on Steph Curry. It was David Kahn who passed on Steph Curry. So, yes. He should get every royalty check, every championship ring, every uh, thing that could be seen as trolling because his explanations for passing on him multiple times, getting, you know, multiple point cards and Johnny Flynn and Ty Lawson well before Steph Curry was available is just inexcusable. Um, (laughs) We couldn't have done it without you. Yep. Bonte, a topic that ended up getting covered a ton was the Warriors keeping receipts throughout the year and then talking huge shit once they won the title. We heard it from Steph with the whole, what are they going to say now? Jams, baby! What are they going to say now? What are they going to say now? We heard it from Draymond. We heard it from Clay. What do you think, man? Do you like the trash-talking addition to the Golden State Warriors? You know, when Shasky and I won a month in the books, in ratings, uh, we talk that talk because there was a lot of people talking. And you know what? I'm petty too. Call me King Petty as well. King Petty Jr. If you want, Bram. I'm petty too. And so if I would have won a championship after all the noise I heard for the last two to three years that, oh, you can't win without Kevin Durant. Oh, you can't lead a team to the finals. Oh, you don't have a finals MVP. Talk that shit. Okay? Talk it all. And the NBA needs to know. We heard everything. We heard all about the dynasty being over. We heard all about, oh, man, there's going to be no more finals appearances. Oh, man, moving from Oracle Arena to Chase Center. It's going to be a curse. Nobody's going to go. San Francisco's crap, a crappy sport. All this nonsense that we heard over the last three years. Oh, you better believe it. As soon as I touched that Larry O'Brien, I would have told Lisa Salters. I would have been talking crap to Lisa Salters right there on the podium. I was mad that they waited 25 minutes to talk that talk. I would have been talking talk right away. No, but seriously. They, they deserve to talk the talk. They're the champs. And nobody else can say anything. Nobody else can say anything. They are the champions for the fourth time in the last eight years. So, Bram, I would have been talking all night long. And Draymond, look, he wants to go on this victory tour and still talk. Talk your talk. You're a champ. Steph Curry, you want to keep talking? And I know when he goes on the ESPYs, guess what? He's going to talk that talk. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm all good with it, man. I love it. And I think it's better for the game. Forget this AAU uh, uh, this AAU type of vibe where everybody's buddy-buddy. These guys all respect each other. But you know what? I want titles. I want rings. So all this stuff about, oh, we got to be cordial and this and that. No, talk that talk. It's better for the league. I mean, that's up to them how they behave. Like, I'm not an arbiter of behavior. I mean, if I had my druthers, Steph would have never done night-night after after he did it with the trophies, you know what I'm saying? But that's Steph Curry. That, that like that fits his personality and who he is. So to me, this is all a window into who they are and to how they think. So any any more or any new information that reveals that to us, I'm all for it in whatever form because 
this is who they are. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully they're being who they are. To me, it doesn't matter what they do. Like Steph is petty. I'm the queen of petty. So I love petty. And like, I really like to see this from Steph because I know like people think of him as this like humble guy. Like I expect this from Draymond. And I love it from Clay too, but I think it's like, cause you don't expect it from Steph, right? Like that's like even why Dre was saying like this parade might be the best cause Dre, like Steph was acting up. He did the middle fingers, you know, like it's just, you, you don't see that side of him and him embracing his greatness, like in the game saying, ring me before it's over. Like just him doing that. I love that. That showmanship, that cockiness confidence however you want to look at it but like he's earned that like he's earned that to be doing that just like Kobe and Braun and Jordan and all those other guys like he should be revered and talked about like them so I love it and I want them to lean into it I love it like who cares about being the nice guys look that's that's what the NBA is these guys uh they talk shit no matter what, at all times, we're starting to hear more stories about how Steph used to talk shit all the time in the finals and things like that. That's what these guys do. Uh, I love it. I love that it's out in the open. Uh, I, I think that Draymond deserves a lot of credit because he's basically going on his podcast and being very transparent about all this stuff. Yeah. And I think that kind of emboldened his teammates to be like, Steph's not going to be like, you know what, I'm going to start a podcast. But I do think that Steph is got enough, not that he wasn't, like secure in his own legacy before, yep. but just every title adds a little bit more security to that legacy. And, and I think he's at the point now where he's just, he feels like he's at the, on the top of the world and why not look down and talk some trash. Okay. Perfect transition. Now that Steph has his finals MVP has four titles. Where does he rank on the all time golden state warriors list? Is he now past people like Barry and Wilt? He, okay. Listen, he's definitely the greatest warrior of all time. And that, that just, you would be wrong. And I love you, Rick Barry. I love all the greats. Well, you would be wrong not to say it's, it's the chef, especially now with ring number four. And even if he didn't have ring number four, I think when you use the word transcended, and now we're watching bottom feeder teams like uh, I'll just the Detroit Pistons, they try to play like the Warriors because of what Steph Curry has done, the way that Steve Kerr has implemented this offense. And I'm a big Mark Jackson fan, speaking of imperfections, but he didn't know how it was iso ball getting the last shot. And for, for uh, Kerr to come in and do what he did with this offense, I don't think that gets enough run, but he's a top 15 coach. To me, again, he's been the greatest warrior of all time, right? Like that was that was sealed when he got his second MVP. You know, that was sealed when he got his second championship, right? Right. Let's go. Well, in terms of the the Warriors franchise list, I thought that ship had long sailed, and no disrespect to some of the greats that have come through that organization, but Steph is the guy. Steph is squarely the guy. No, he, nobody's just had a relationship with the fan base the way Steph has. And again, that's no disrespect to guys like Rick Barry and all these guys who have come through and, and, and still matter to that fan base. But this is Steph Curry that we're talking about. This is, I don't know if we are going to have video as part of this podcast, but this is it right here. This is the illustration we did when I was with the Mercury News of, of, of Wilt handing over the, the crown to Steph. I mean, this, that's, that's it, man. And so, yeah. Uh, that to me is, has been a done deal for a while now. Um, he's going to have every single record in the books, uh, by the time he's done with the franchise. Yeah. I think he's the best player you've ever played for golden state. You can make an argument that Will Chamberlain is right there. He played for San Francisco and Philadelphia. So I'm kind of (laughs) nicely played. Okay. (laughs) Hedging my bets here. I'm a big Wilk guy. I think he's the most underrated superstar, uh, him and, and Steph. They're both underrated. Um, because both guys changed the game. Yeah. You know, in college basketball, they changed rules because of Will Chamberlain. Right. You know, and Will, you know, as, as great as Bill Russell is, and he's a Bay Area guy, and he's a, the best winner American sports has ever produced. Right. But uh, Will Chamberlain, you know, he made basketball sexy. He made the big guy a sexy player and and and, a, and and there's no doubt that that the guys who followed the willis reeds the bob lanier's they were all inspired by watching what will chamberlain could do and they wanted to do things like him and so uh so i, I but i think steph is is another player he's changed the way we look at the game you know nobody took shots 
by half court. And now we have a whole bunch of players who will pull up and two steps past half court and let it fly. And, you know, nobody looked at the three point shot as the huge weapon that it is today until Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Steve Kerr putting the offense in for them. Um, so, yeah, I, but but I think you can't argue with success. And so by the, the fact that they've been in the finals six times, they've won four of them. I think you have to give the nod to Steph. He has to be the best player. I mean, somebody asked me a few years ago, maybe around 2017, do you think we should put statues up for these guys? I said, if you're not putting statues up for these guys, you're never putting statues up outside <laughs> of Chase. I mean, these, this, is, this is the run of the franchise. This is going to be very hard uh, to replicate this. It's a, it's a real special time, and that's why I keep telling people, savor every second. There's no doubt he's the top warrior of all time. And the, re- the record books are starting to reflect that, Bram. I mean, it's a the, the, the leading scorer in franchise history. He's got the most threes in franchise history. Uh, he's going to be up there in steals. He's going to be be up there in assists. I mean, he is the guy. When we talk go to state Warriors basketball, it starts with Stephen Curry. So there's no doubt he cemented that. Four championships, two MVPs, a finals MVP, an all-star game MVP. I mean, what else do you need from him? What else do you need from him? I mean, he is he, he is the best thing that ever happened to the Golden State Warriors and he's the top dog when it comes to this franchise. He's been the greatest warrior of all time for a while. I don't know the exact year, but it was very clear that um, his record and resume at that point in time was much better than even any of the older warrior luminaries. I mean, the reality is Wolf Chamberlain didn't just spend his career with the Warriors. He won uh, and had other accomplishments with other teams. All right. I'm sure you can see this next question coming broaden it take it out of golden state look at the league at large at the history of the league at large after all of these accomplishments where does steph fit into the discussion of greatest player of all time now top 10 top five what do you think by my rubric steph was already top 10 he's the best in the game at the most important skill in the game like yeah. <laughs> and he's changed everything right yeah. I mean, you like, you go to anywhere go to any gym ymca any college gym anywhere there's gonna be people emulating him which i mean that that's yeah. got to be in in the conversation too yeah to me yeah to me he's there uh uh like there what's the most important position in basketball right it's point guard yep. you could argue center for most of the history but you can't you can't say a point guard ain't in it uh, and I don't know how people judge this or whatever, but per my judgments, he's at minimum, at worst, the second best point guard of all time. Of course, so they got two point guards in your top ten. I don't know what you're talking about, right? Love to, so, um, of course, there, there's nothing more subjective than a you know who's the greatest player of all time. I mean, you're you're on the money, but there's some objective things that we can follow, and one of them you just nailed, right? Go back to 2015. You know why was Chuck so pissed off at the Warriors when he kept saying things like jump shooting teams cannot win championships? Yeah. Then Steph Curry hits the scene. The exact opposite is true now. Everybody accepts you need shooting to win championships. And that, you know, that's on Steph's back. No question. But also, I think the problem people always have with Steph is they just focus on the shooting. Yeah. And that's not. Steph is, I mean, Michael Jordan is probably one. Steph is the probably the no the Kareem is probably two, but like top five greatest offensive weapons of yep. all time. Yeah, like you can make a case that Steph is the greatest offensive weapon of all time if you when you factor in the three pointer. <laughs> and you know, like now you get into do you value the three pointer? Do you like it or not? Do you think it's bastardized? Like so that's what I'm saying. There's no real rubric, but the way he bends the court, the way he terrifies the defense the way he has changed the geometry of basketball, the way he's changed defensive principles, right? Like this dude is, he is an offensive weapon. It's not just the greatest shooter of all time that, that, I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's like saying Halle Berry is cute, right? Like, nah, like this dude is a weapon. Like everywhere he moves on the court, he is a problem. And we see how people react to it. Like you don't, we just, we saw this with guys like magic and Jordan. 
and Bird, where wherever they go on the court, like that's where the energy is. So again, and I didn't watch Kareem. You might be able to say this was true about Will. I ain't see that, and then you don't. It don't really pop for me like that on ESPN Classic. So I'm not arguing with somebody from the '50s who's like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was about. Okay, I, like I feel you. I understand why you say that. But as far as my me watching the game, and, and I add a little extra on this, I think this is why people have a hard time seeing him that way. But to me, it adds to the credibility of of why he's theirs. Bro, he ain't supposed to be here, yeah, right? Like that. That's another thing. Right. This dude is like six three, and I and I and and you know I do think Isaiah should get more credit for that too, right? You know, but this dude is six three, and he he's doing things to basketball that people six 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 seven and up have done. Like nobody, there's no small player who make people react the way Steph does at his side. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. If Steph gets five titles, never leaves Golden State, and LeBron's stuck on four, and he's already hopped three teams, and he, he could wind up hopping again, right? What are people – imagine the amount of revisionism that's going to have to take place about, like, <laughs> who's, whose decade was it, who was actually the best player, et cetera, et cetera, because that puts Steph in a category with Magic, Duncan, and Jordan in terms yep. of modern guys. That's pretty elite company. That's a club that LeBron doesn't get to be in if he's stuck on four. So that's kind of crazy to think about. I think there's a there's there's a better chance Steph wins another one than LeBron, KD, or really any other of his major peers, with the possible exception of Kawhi. Um, when you're looking at guys who are sort of like in a similar age range, if Kawhi can stay healthy, the Clippers to me are pretty loaded. They got a good chance. But yeah. a lot of the other guys who are in Steph's generation. You know, it's like they're going to have to go kind of gravy train or uh, ring chase if they want to get another one. I know Magic is arguably one of the best, if not the best passers ever. But when you talk about game and skill set, my point guard and my top five, if I had to just go by position, it's Steph. I'm sorry. It is Steph Curry. He's he's open when he comes half court. He's created this. We call it the blender area now to where bigs. Got to be like Looney, and if you're not, you're put in a position that you've never, we've never seen before. So that means something to me. So it's, it's Steph Curry is a top ten for me, and and the reason he's top ten is I would have him as my number one PG, and that is no shade at all the other greats, man. In terms of the all time greats, this this I don't know that you can argue that he's anything less than one of the best fifteen players ever. I, I don't know that he could be lower than that. And if you wanna. If we want to debate where he is in that, if you think he's top 10, if you think he's 12, if you think he's 14, 15, I, that doesn't really matter to me. But he's he's now in that part of the pyramid. He's always been a competitor. That's the only reason he's a, he's a great player is because he wants to compete. He came in the league. He was not the ball handler he is today. He didn't have the floater game that he has today. He didn't have the range that he has today. And that means he's competing. He's competing in the summertime. Yeah. against himself and that drives him to be a, a, a superstar now the other part about that is you know i tell people just because he's got that you know uh schoolboy look and and you know he you know the lebron james the uh, players of the past they killed you with a sledgehammer you know they yeah. came and just pounded you down into the dust right uh, Steph comes at you with a little rapier action and he, yeah. you know, it may be a thousand cuts, but eventually that one big cut that comes from a three point dagger, that's the one that's going to put you down forever. And so, um, so that's how he does it. And it's, it's a little different for people to digest, but he's still that guy. He loves to silence crowds and we've seen him do it over and over again. All right, let's move on from Steph just for a second and get our focus onto another just absolutely key figure who honestly is probably overlooked way more than he should be, Steve Kerr. Look only at his coaching career. Is Kerr underrated, properly rated, or overrated in your opinion? I'm going to say underrated based solely on the fact that the two years before this season, he caught a lot of you know heat, and they were not good. And his whole approach somehow seemed like the magic was worn off, and like, hey, this is only a Steph thing. Like he can only win with Steph, and he juggled so much um, last year, even during the playoffs. I mean, people forget Uvalde happened when they were in Dallas. I mean, yeah. I was at that game. That was 
I just wanted it to be canceled. Remember when the, the roof started leaking? I feel like that was a sign from God that we should all just go. Sure. You know, it's like, hey, let's just call yeah. this uh, right here. And for him to kind of keep that group together, everybody on the same page, lots of competing interests. You know, Jordan Poole's minutes, Steph Curry comes back. He's coming off the bench to start the playoffs. Who's ever heard of such a crazy thing? <laughs> he pushed all the right buttons on the matchups and then completely twisted that series halfway through against Boston. I mean, they looked down and they never were shaken whatsoever. And they, boom, three wins in a row, they win another title. So I would say underrated, um, but he's also beloved. So it's hard to be beloved and underrated, but I think he's like right in the middle of that Venn diagram. He's underrated. And I'll say this, he's a smart guy. Let me tell you why he's a smart guy. He knows what Michael's like on and off the court and forget the fight. You know, that was part of brotherhood, teammate. Um, he learned on uh, under field, one of the greatest to ever do it, if not the greatest. Uh, and it wasn't just X and X's and L's with Phil and then Popovich. So to get all of that and then go try to do your GM duties, I think the Steph Curry greatness has kind of overshadowed just how good of a coach he is until that top 15 list came out. And for you to win it your first time out after a team lost game seven, not even in the Western Conference Finals, and for you to deal and allow Draymond to be Draymond, he, dude, I, I love Dre's passion, but how he treats his teammates and yell coach and how it just looks, sometimes I'll be on air like, that's foul. I wouldn't do that to y'all. But the one constant was we need the beast to be the beast. So to know and give this dude the space or rope to be him, Myers included, cool. And I think he learned that from Jackson and Rodman. Some of that, man. And, again, I do believe a coach that's won four chips this early on and to come back from the, the back, the spinal issues, I do believe, honestly, man, he's underrated. Listen, I'm a big proponent in like your accolades for players. So it probably is crazy if I try to like take that away from him as a coach, right? Like it's hard to argue with the number of championships, right? So I'm going to probably have to say he's properly rated because I mean, he has the resume, but um, I don't, I'm not one of the people who like view Kerr as like this great coach like a Popovich or something I think he's an above average coach I think he's a good coach um but I don't think he's great but whatever it doesn't matter like the players love him it works for them it is what it is it's just gonna be one of those things where like I'll just have this like love hate relationship with him in the NBA yes I and I think that these last it's not even this finals run that does it for me obviously that's the thing that kind of is the proof of concept um but what he did over the last three years is what uh, he got better. It wasn't like he was this three years ago. Steve Kerr got so much better as a coach. I don't think he was, I think he might've been overrated uh, for a little bit uh. um, because he was just winning championships. Right. And the record I thought was really great. I mean, obviously one of the winningest coaches of all time, the postseason record is without blemish, but um, you know, they, they were just so freakish freakishly talented uh, that it was really hard to determine how much credit lied with with Steve Kerr during the Kevin Durant titles. But now I think he has gotten so much better at player development when we talk about a guy like Kevon Looney and Jordan Poole um, and, and staff management. You know, sure. he's he's brought up a lot of uh, up-and-coming coaches and added them to the bench in addition to the Mike Browns and the Kenny Atkinsons. There's a lot of up-and-coming coaches on that bench. Um, I think he's figured out a way... Uh, to kind of steer the ship through currents that didn't exist during the Durant titles. Sure. And um, and I, I don't think he was very good at that at the beginning of it uh, when I first started covering the team. Yep. And I think he's gotten much, much better at it. And, and I think he's a much better coach now than he was even when they were winning back-to-back championships. I think he's underrated. I, you know, it's easy for people to say, oh, man, he's got all this talent. He should win. Well. I remember when Shaq and Kobe had Dale Harris as their head coach, and I'm not here to slander Dale Harris. I thought he was a fine coach. But when Phil Jackson came, they started winning championships. When Dale Harris was never getting swept out the playoffs, swept, you know? Yep. Doc Rivers is a top 15 All-NBA coach. He's got the one ring with the Celtics, but how many series has he blown with his team up 3-1? And he can defend it all he wants to. He can scream to the high heavens about that. 
The fact is you've blown multiple 3-1 leads, okay, as a head coach. Eric's, to, to coach a championship team and manage all these Eagles, I think people don't – they just think, hey, man, coach, give the ball Steph Curry, let him cook, and get out the way, and we're going to win the game. You need somebody who can hold these guys accountable, who knows the game, his in-game adjustments, out of bound after timeouts, his out-of-bound plays after timeouts. Unbelievable. ATLs is what they call him, right? I mean, unbelievable. I think he's underrated. I think he is underrated. Think about what he had to go through last year. And I, I, I don't know why this is not a bigger story. The fact that he wasn't in consideration for coach of the year is laughable. Yep. It's laughable. This, this basketball team won 53 games this year. How many minutes does Steph, Clay, and Dre play before the playoffs together? Not many, right? What was Nine. it, 11? Yep. Nine? Nine minutes. There you go. Nine minutes. Your big three stars play nine minutes together. Yeah, Jordan Poole ascending, but didn't really know his role. It had to be a tough for a young player to go to the bench, start, go to the bench, start, whatever. Wiggins, managing that, managing Kevon Looney, not knowing, you know, whether or not you're getting James Wiseman back, which they did. I mean, John missed 36 games. Clay missed, you know, he didn't come back until January 9th. <laughs> Steph Curry missed the last 12 of the regular season. We had no idea what this team was going to look like. And yet Steve Kerr, kept it all together. He'll keep it all together with 53 wins this regular season. So I think he's I think he's underrated. I think he's one of the better coaches we've seen in the last 30 years because it's not just about X's and O's. People got to realize this is about psychology as well. Managing Eagles. We watched the last day how Phil Jackson had to handle Dennis Robin, handle Michael Jordan, handle Scottie Pippen. Steve Kerr had the same thing. He had to do it with Kevin Durant. And they still almost three-peated, so um, I think he's underrated, Brad. I really do. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Let's jump in to one of the more memorable celebratory moments from last season. The parade. And I think one of the reasons I like this question is I just like the concept of it. Looking back at the highlights of the parade and the stories you heard, who won the parade? Yeah, Clay Thompson defended his championship. I mean, with just <laughs> his amazing dances, the fact that he dropped his championship ring on the street and almost lost it is amazing. I mean, heaven forbid if he were to lose that, uh, how tragic that would be. But, you know, it being Clay... Things worked out. He picked up the ring, gave it to his mom so he won't ever lose it again. And then getting to the parade itself on a effing boat. And while he's on the boat, he loses his championship hat. Only that would happen to Clay. And it, it's not surprising because, as you alluded to, I was on his championship bus in 2018 after they beat Cleveland. And it was amazing. I mean, the things I saw on that bus, <laughs> I saw him shouting at Zaza Pachulia using the bullhorn within earshot. <laughs> I saw him save Zaza Pachulia from a basketball, hit him in the head after a Warriors fan threw a ball onto the bus. I actually saved Clay from getting hurt. He Remember, he was on a hobbled ankle during the 2018 NBA Finals because J.R. Smith crashed true. into him in game one. So he was you know, nursing that ankle injury through the entire finals. He was limping during the championship parade. And there was this one moment where he's standing on the double-decker bus on the top floor, and he's standing just enjoying life. The bus driver makes a sharp turn, and he falls. <laughs> but you know what? I was there as a fly on the wall, as well as a saver of the championship dynasty here. I made sure that he didn't fall. I was there to hold him, and he thanked me for it. 
I take back everything uh, negative I've ever him. said about you, Mark. Everything. I mean, we, we owe you, apparently, at least this last title. Yeah, nice I, I should be getting the championship. <laughs> yeah, that's right? exactly right. Uh, a clay moment, I'm sure. Um, so I don't know. I thought there, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I got to go clay. So clay on the way over, he's shooting an Instagram live video of himself and loses his champ or his captain hat. It flies into the ocean. Fine. is what it is. Then gets off the float is celebrating with the fans. It's a genuine moment. And during that, literally while halfway into the fans on the side of the road, loses his fucking championship ring. It bounces off of his hand into the crowd. Um, and I mean, they notice it and everybody like goes down to help him, but it's the kind of thing that should not happen. But the, culmination the coup de gras you ever done that moment where, like where you trip and so you try to walk faster to catch a momentum you know like you're right. falling forward and so you got to speed up so hopefully you don't so steph after or steph clay after he loses his championship ring is walking and trips on a grate in the streets of san francisco has to pick up his momentum in hopes of, of not falling so really speeds up and while he's doing that just blasts the shit out of this woman who's walking in front of him like legitimate <laughs> takedown dude like it's it's worth watching and then after helping her up and showing an appropriate concern for about i don't know four seconds moves on and has the time of his life and like I, that woman might be paralyzed i have no idea what happened to her like we never saw any like follow-ups from that but uh but my vote is definite i'm still hung up on the ring did he get it back I assume so. Like the, okay. all it all it shows is everybody being like, "Whoa!" And they're you oh, like when some, a golf ball goes like on on a PGA. Yes. Okay, yes, exactly. And nobody, you don't see some like random person take off. You know, so like, right. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they got it and handed them back. Um, but we'll see. This is Clay's day. <laughs> this is Clay's day. You know, Draymond Green did what he did. He was just cursing everybody out and saying, "Damn, Dre, all right, tell us how you really feel." <laughs> And he told us how he really felt, <laughs> which I have no problem with. I thought Steph Curry was doing his thing. The mic drop on NBC Sports when Mr. Fab and D. Wright and Laura Britt and Blake yeah. Anderson, that was great. Um, but this was Clay's day. I mean, doing Michael Jackson around the trophy, damn near losing his championship ring, uh, trucking a lady, <laughs> trucking a lady. And, and, and I'm missing something. And him almost getting off the bus and, and, and losing and, the and just. Losing, losing the hat on the, the, hat the bay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, calling Draymond. Hey, Draymond, real mature there. I, it, it was Clay. This was Clay's moment. And he deserved it. He absolutely deserved it. I mean, people wanted this guy to come off the bench. Thought it was watched up. And look, he had, I know game six, he was only five or 20. But dang, game five. Game four. Those clutch baskets in game four, the two big threes in the fourth quarter. Game three, he woke up. I mean, what, what a remarkable comeback story for Clay Thompson. Now he gets to just play hoop and not rehab this summer. I'm so happy for him. And you could see you could see the jubilation on his face during that parade. He was having a time of his life. Sure, there was Tennessee involved. Sure, there was Moet involved. But damn it, this was Clay's moment to shine. And he shined hard. He shined hard uh, uh, at parade day down Market Street, downtown San Francisco. So proud of him, too. So happy for him. So uh, it, this is a no-brainer to me. Although there was a good candidate, right? GP2, he did his thing. JTA did his thing. This was Clay. This was Clay's moment. I mean, I'll, I'll nominate that lady that uh, Clay trucked as well. Without her, Clay might be you know, looking at a third major injury. So I'm glad she was there to absorb his contact, you know? All right. Let's go big picture again. In the last eight years, the Warriors have made it to the finals six times and won four titles. I don't know why this is, but the word dynasty seems to make people crazy angry for some reason. You tend to get definitive takes one way or the other. They get super angry that, of course, it's a dynasty or, of course, it isn't. So let's turn it to you guys and get official opinions. Where are you at? Is this Warriors run worthy of being called a dynasty? Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody's done that except for a handful of teams in the entire world of professional sports and especially in this free agent era where guys are moving and leaving and going, forming their own super teams are opting into their teams are opting out. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting for some of these players when they go to the hall of fame, what Jersey are they going to wear? You know, because they've been on so many different teams, you know, if Kyrie Irving goes to the hall of fame, well, what Jersey is he wearing? Is it Cleveland, Boston? Is it Brooklyn? Is it, I mean, so you know, my point is the Warriors have continuity. They've kept this team together and that core together. And to do that over an eight year period is unheard of. So, you know, it's like dynasties are decades as magic would say. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Warriors, it's funny. Like if they had started their run, let's say they started their run in 2011 instead of 2015, 
but we just literally just time shifted it four years. Yep. But all of the winning happened in the 2010s. I think more people would be like, oh yeah, they own the decade. But because they've split the decade, even though that should not matter whatsoever, it's like somehow different than Jordan's Bulls in the 90s or Magic's Lakers in the 80s, Bird's uh, Celtics in the 80s. Kind of weird, or the, or the Celtics in the 60s. Um, four titles, is that a dynasty? If they can make one more finals, I'll give it to them. You know, like people just have these weird things, but where does it say you got to win three in a row to be a dynasty? Like, so come on, this is a dynasty. Like this has been the team, except for when they are not injured, they're in the finals essentially every year. Like they're a dynasty. Like, what are we doing? And by the way, we were a dynasty before this year, right? Like, because people kept saying like, oh, the dynasty's over and it ended. And so, no, actually it's continuing. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. It's not even a debate. I mean, look, the Warriors were uh, what the Chicago Bulls represented when they won three NBA titles and five uh, finals appearances. Now the Warriors are what the Spurs used to represent, where they're winning a title by leaning on their familiar star players, new role players, and amazing coaching in front office. And you never know if they'll win the title next year, but they're always going to be in that picture. They're always going to have a chance, and you count them out at your own peril because they're the team that always figures things out at the end. It is. It is a dynasty, and I'm sorry. The reason um, I'm super over the top, it's a dynasty. I mean what I'm saying here, and and, and, and I'm going to make it short. In my mind, they won five in a row. Nobody can change that. Toronto was not them before the injuries, okay? That's just real talk. Boy, Phil Handy, I forgot him, in Union City, was coach of that Cleveland team in 16, one of the assistant coaches. They were bickering. They were infighting. They were down three to one. The Warriors won that to me. I know who the better team was. Okay, they didn't get it done. But outside of something fluke happening, who really was the team that knocked off the Warriors and the back cuts and the ball movement? Who really was the team that was their kryptonite? And you, people can homer. I, I, this is not even coming from that vantage point. Real, It's what I saw. And then to have two of the worst years ever, which netted your Wiseman, and I hate we don't know what he is, but he's still hope. But you lose to Memphis the way you did. That bothered me in the playing game. I'll give you 16. You didn't score the last five minutes. And I, and we'll talk about Draymond in a minute. But not Steph didn't score in OT at home against Ja. That still bothers me. But to come back from that and win it in the fashion they did, I'm sorry. The dynasty it is, it constitutes. And the best part, my friend, is it's still going. Let's go. That's exactly right. You win two championships in the NBA. That's that I don't I think people are are missing how rare that is. Uh one team winning two championships in the NBA is I mean, you could literally count on your hands. We we could we could go through right now and name them. <laughs> and I'm not saying one franchise winning two, but I'm saying the same team right. winning two championships. It just doesn't happen. You can't get to 20 for sure. Right. Uh and they've won three. And they went to five straight finals, right? Uh, I don't if if the if the Warriors are not a dynasty, then you're scratching off the Larry Bird Celtics, right? You're scratching that off as a dynasty. The Pistons done, you know, you know, like you see what I'm saying? Like, oh, they, of course they, I do. They, you know what? I thought it was a dynasty before the win over Boston. I thought what existed with the first Steph, Clay, Draymond, Steve Kerr title, plus the Kevin Durant titles, and just how dominant they were, the level of dominance, the fact that those were some of the best teams that we had ever seen in the NBA ever, that, to me, justified it being a dynasty. This is just an extension of the dynasty that I already thought existed. Let me give you a choose-your-own-adventure. Look back at the title run, not just the playoffs, the full run. What moments really stood out to you? I mean, there's there's so many moments this year, right? In the championship season, you develop moments over the year. And it happened early. It happened early in the season when Steph dropped the 40-burger on the Clippers in a home opener in the second game of the season. You know, how about how about Christmas Eve? Or, or, or the same night the Niners lose to the Tennessee Titans, Steph drops 46 against the Memphis Grizzlies. How about Gary Payton II dunking all over Kelly Oubre Jr.? Making his presence felt. 
Andrew Wiggins, who was sleepwalking at the time, all of a sudden hits, you know, has two monster dunks over Carl Anthony Towns. And all of a sudden he rides that into an all-star bird and a starting all-star bid that propelled him to having a big time impact in the postseason. Uh, what about JTA, Juan Toscano Anderson, dunking all over JaVale McGee on a Friday night against the Phoenix Suns? I mean, there were so many moments. Um, I, I think the main moment, the number one moment for me is game four, Stephen Curry, NBA Finals, yeah. Warriors down 2-1. That fan base is going crazy. And Steph Curry basically said, we're not losing this game. We are not losing this game. We're going to go crazy. Um, we're going back home, tied at two games apiece, and we're going to win this series. And what he did in game four was just iconic. I mean, that was the top moment in the season full of great moments. I mean, what about Steph Curry deciding to come off the bench for the first four games of the postseason to set the tone saying, look, it ain't about me. It's not about you. It's not about anybody starting. It's about winning games and winning big-time playoff games and doing what we have to do to win. Um, how about the moments with the youngsters going to Detroit when Steph and Dre and Clay's not back yet? They give all these guys a day off and pull Moody. Damian Lee, Kuminga, uh, they go out there and ball out. How about the game in San Antonio where they come back from 15 down or South Beach, Miami, beating the Heat in Miami without the Stars? What about Loney playing 82 games or playing every single game this season, Bram? And then, of course, grabbing over 20 rebounds in the game six against Memphis. That felt like a championship game. But the top moment has got to be Steph Curry game four, NBA Finals. On the parquet floor, 75th anniversary season. Banners looking down, the ghost of Larry Bird, the ghost of Red Arbach, the ghost of Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale, and Curry shuts them all up with an iconic performance. Check you out, Bonte. Holy shit. What do you have, like, the full schedule in front of you? That was an incredible uh, no, rattling just... off of memories, and the only <laughs> shit I'll give you, please try not to use GP2's name during this. You know I'm fragile about losing him, man. Yeah. I'm not ready to, well, uh, to go there, but no, great series of memories. Steph apparently gave a great speech before game four that uh, I heard was really good. So if I had to pick a moment, I probably would want to hear that speech, but uh, I, I want to hear the privates. I want to hear the private moments where they, where you find out what they really feel. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I, I love the idea of the clay JP conversation and multiple right. of them. I'd, I'd like to hear as many of those as I can. I'd love Put to hear me on the bench. Curve. Put me on a bench when Steve Kerr benched Draymond. It's exactly, it's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly, or, or like as they come off the floor, like what does that look like? You know, even just to see the the look that they exchange, whatever it is, um, and shit. I know. I, I see. I want to know what Draymond is thinking while he's sitting there and watching. So my big thing, I'm, I, I, I like, I, I like psychology, uh-huh. right? And I always want to know the how, like the practical how. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So. I want to know what Draymond is thinking while he's benched. He's embarrassed. He is not playing well. And what is his process from going from that to getting back on the court and being great for yep. the last fourth quarter? You know what I'm saying? I'm interested in that moment. What is he doing? Is he telling himself, you know, you got to, you're, you're embarrassing yourself, Draymond. Uh-huh. Like, is it a conversation? Uh-huh. Like, this is, I, is, it, is he pissed at Steve? I, I can't stand him. I want to, I'm going to show him. Like, how does he get from Absolutely bitch right, and angry to, I'm about to shut this, this lane down. You know what I'm saying? Hell yes. I'm He's been in that stuff. I would just like to know, like, minute by minute uh, after Steph's injury, how did he get from, like, it seemed like the series was over or is he going to be able to play? Is he going to try to do Willis read this thing? To playing the best game that I saw all of last season by an individual player in game four. You yeah. Know, how did that happen? So if I could somehow be like a documentary camera crew or, you know, maybe I get to like, you know, dance around in Steph's brain for 16 hours, that's what I would like to see because by the time game four came around, that guy was so confident, man. He was, yeah. he was locked in, ready to go. And it was just great. It's kind of weird. Uh, it's back in January when, was that was January when Clay Thompson came back, yeah. right? Yeah. When Draymond Green went out there for the tip, immediately took a foul and left. And those were like the, the handful of seconds that we had with Steph, Clay, and Draymond yeah. on the court. Sure. Uh, and then we didn't see it again until the playoffs, right? And so um, that to me is the moment I keep thinking about because it, Draymond kind of got made, and the Warriors kind of got made fun of for that stuff. Yeah. But that kind of embodies what it is that this team, like it meant nothing, those like two seconds that they spent yeah. on the court together. It didn't mean 
anything. Like it, it materially did not matter in them winning the championship. And yet it kind of feels like that embodies yeah. exactly what this, what this whole organization is about and what those three guys and Steve Curl put him in that group, what they're all about. There is that emotional component that they feel is very real and is very tangible in what it is that they want to do and what they set out to do every single season. And so for them, it mattered. If Draymond isn't out there for the tip and they play zero seconds together yep. the entire regular season, I don't know if they don't win the championship. I don't know that it matters, yep. but that's to me the moment that I still have, despite the, the great playoff run and all the great moments that we had from that. I just kind of keep thinking, I'm like, no other team in the league would have just done that. And um, I don't know. That's why it sticks out. I think it was just really cool. Steph saying the record in New York, that's a historic moment. That, that's one you're never going to forget. Go honored to be there and the, and the whole atmosphere, you know, after that game and, and the fact that the great shooters in NBA history were there, um, his family was there. It was just a surreal, you know, moment to be yeah. at. And, and Clay Thompson coming back, that, you know, Clay Day. I mean, everybody loves Clay and, and, and he just, you know, brings that little funky, funny, vibe to the Warriors that that you know that that allows them to be even more fun to watch than they normally are and so and and all the hard work he had to put in and everything he went through that he won't even verbalize emotionally um that was a that was a special moment and then uh I think I think when the we really started to to look at it in terms of of the the championship was when you know Dallas beat Phoenix, and after the first two games, you realize, okay, the Warriors are going to win this series. Dallas doesn't have enough. They may have enough to win a game or two if they get hot, but they don't have enough to to beat the Warriors. And and so that that was a realization that that they had a chance to really do something historic. I should talk about the memorable moment of him breaking the three point record of the season, right? Alec Burks. Guarding it from the start, Wiggins again. Here's Curry for the record. It's good! There it is! Stephen Curry! The all-time three-point king in the NBA! That obviously stands out. Um, you know, we knew for a while now that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. There's no debate with that. But I think what's been the underrated part is uh, he's also the greatest leader of all time so far in this current generation. And um, look, as far as player rankings go of all time, I'm not going to say he's the greatest player of all time, but he's part of that discussion. And Let's so go. I think that uh, this moment just really crystallized and gave him this amazing uh, accomplishment of, hey, from the record books, there's no dispute. And I thought it was amazing that Ray Allen and Reggie Miller were there to embrace him. Yeah, sure. They, they were kissing the ring. They were talking about how amazing stuff was. They were giving all these interviews leading up to the moment uh, about the fact that, look, Steph's a better shooter than me, and that I'm honored that not only that uh, that Steph is being compared to me, but that I'm being compared to Steph. Steph getting the three-point record, because I was there in person for it, Um and it was just like a really emotional thing to be a part of and and witness. So that was pretty, that was pretty cool. And then I think like maybe over the course of the last two years in particularly, just all of the the frustrating losses, you know, like the ones where you're just like, why are they losing? They don't need to lose this game. Like what, like what's happening. So like just the up and downs of like those games, actually even two years ago, because like I was watching those teams with Omari Spellman and you're like, I stay up late until one in the morning to watch this team. Why? I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I torturing myself like that? So that's what I look at the journey. And though that's what really stands out to me, the journey to get back here. Of course, clay day was a huge day. So that really stands out to me, Clay returning. He's back! And now, in his 11th NBA season out of Washington State University, number 11, Clay Thompson! 
and then Andrew Wiggins is the final thing that really stands out to me because I've been an Andrew Wiggins proponent. I've been fighting for him. I'm, I was an Andrew Wiggins stand before everybody else got on Wiggins Island. And so um, that's something I'm petty about. Like, no, 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 y'all wanted to trade him. I wanted to keep him. And so just to see the culmination of him getting this kind of recognition, the all-star, becoming a champion, being our second best player in the finals. Um, just, yes. All right, last question, and let's make it forward-looking. How excited are you for the future? You know, I know that the Warriors are coming off a dynastic run, but I also know they have people like Moody and Kaminga and Wiseman, even Patrick Baldwin Jr. Is this team set up to continue this run? You know, what do they do in a bad situation? Clay Thompson's out, Kevin Durant's out, Durant's leaving. They convince Durant to do the sign and trade. They get D'Angelo Russell. They flip him for Wiggins and now Kaminga. You know, they add Moses Moody. So their activity during those two years has set up this championship and it set them up to be a title contender for years to come. You know, you can make a case and people were saying, oh, what, what should the Warriors add next year? I said, well, they're already adding Wiseman, Kaminga and Moody. Because those guys are going to play bigger roles, you would think. And, you know, Moody is unflappable, really smart player. Kaminga has a high ceiling with that tremendous athleticism. Same goes for Wiseman. We don't even know what he can be yet. This is essentially his rookie year. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. I think it and and this year's draft, you know, I really haven't dove into it all that much, but but it looks like they they did uh, a good job of research on the first round pick, knowing that he came out of high school very highly regarded, but it just didn't work out that, that first year because of injury. So uh, I, I think I think the the future is bright. And then the one thing, you know, you know, from the top that that. Joe Lake and Peter Goober, the ownership group, Bob Mars, they're going to leave no stone unturned They're And they know how to run this business and run it in the correct way. And, um, you know, they, they just find ways to make it happen. And it's, it's just a remarkable thing to see. It's going to be just the continuity of them playing together more. Right. Cause part of people were like, well, Clay, Clay, Dre and Steph haven't played more than like, whatever the, the minutes total was before they started, you know, everyone kept like referring to that, referring to that. So we just don't know what they're going to look like. And I'm like, what the fuck? What do you mean? You don't know what they're going to look like. These guys have played together their whole careers. It's not going to be that hard for them to get back on the court. Like that's, that, that, that's relevant for other teams. It's not relevant here. Right. So I'm saying that like, then like continuity doesn't matter. And that wasn't my point, but it's like those three together, have had so much, like, it's not going to be hard for them to pick it back up together. But now you're having like another, like full season now, of, like Andrew playing with everyone and like pool better understanding his role and just the, the natural steps that you take for another, like another year, right. Pool's just going to get better. Cause that's the process of, you know, evolution. Um, and then you're going to have guys like Moody and Kaminga getting more playing time, which they need. You need the reps to get better, right? You know, we'll have to see the new pieces, right? I just think they're going to be better. The continuity, smart players, high IQ players, I think they're going to be better. The, the players who just won, they're going to have a swag to them. They're going to have a confidence. You put Steph, Clay, and Draymond in the playoffs. Them dudes don't lose. Like yeah. that, they, they, they are the puncher's chance. Like, period. Uh, I thought that last year. I was like, if they get in and they didn't have clay, but I'm like, <laughs> me, you still have to see these dudes. A lot of people looked at it from the other way. Like, hey, if they get in, like, can they win? Can they go on a run? Can they win? To me, it was really the opposite. It was like, if they're facing another team, the question is, can that team beat these dudes? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to you gotta eliminate Steph Curry. Like, you have to eliminate him. And that's what you're looking around. So it wasn't necessarily like, I think this team is, like, far and away better. To me, it was more a question of who really had it yeah. to beat Steph Curry, Klay yeah. Thompson, and Draymond Green. We've yeah. only seen the greatest, arguably the greatest of all time do it on the greatest run of his life. In the, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, oh, yeah. It just takes another level to beat them. You got to beat them 
and then you got to prepare for their counter. And then even if you prepare for the counter, then you have to just kind of have that one last dig because they're going to come for you. Like, you know, we don't even, we we barely even see them on the elimination track, right? But can you imagine them dudes, like when they're about to get eliminated, they, they've played that way losing a game. You know what I'm saying? So to me, that was the thing. It was like, if you look at the landscape, and I said it all year, I'm on the record saying it, like you got to beat them. They're the puncher's chance. You put them in a playoff series, you got to beat them. I bet a yearly salary that they win another one. They'll get one more. They'll get at least one more. <laughs> they may go back to back. You know, I, I'm, I'm putting my salary on the line. They're going to win one more because they want to surpass LeBron James, which is why I don't want LeBron James on the Golden State Warriors. I want to see Steph Curry surpass him. LeBron's trying to do his little thing where, oh, man, I can play with Golden State. Yeah, I bet you would. I bet you want to. I bet you could. <laughs> Life would be easy for you, and you'd be able to match titles with Steph. No, 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 no. It's all said and done. I need Steph Curry to have more rings than LeBron, so they will get that one because this team is hungry, Bram. If anything we know about this core group, which I think the nation or the national media misses on and the fan bases around the country misses on, the hunger for these guys to want to win. You yeah. don't think they take pride in the fact that they've never lost a Western Conference playoff series under Steve Kerr? You don't think they take pride in the fact that when they're together, Steph, Clay, and Dre, they've won the most finals games in NBA history. And how many more, how many series have they won together? They're undefeated when they start games together in playoff series. So you know what? They're gonna get one more, and it's gonna be even sweeter when they when they throw up the hand and it's five digits. Five, meaning that they surpass Shaq, LeBron James, and they tie Magic Johnson and they tie Tim Duncan. How sweet would that be? At the risk of just stating the obvious at the end here, this season was so special, this team was so special, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate you lending us some of your time to go back through some of these moments and genuinely soak in and celebrate one final time. Go Warriors, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good.